Because of this one player's decision, Penn State has now checked all of the boxes off to be a national title contender for next season. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, as always. Thanks for joining me on another episode. And Curtis Jacobs is coming back. That is the player that has set the tide right for Penn State to be a national title contender for next season. And it, it's going to boost the defense. I think it's going to boost the entire team morale, and there's plenty to get into with that. We're going to discuss Curtis Jacobs' decision in the opening segment, get to the rankings. It's way too early, but we're still going to talk about 2023 and uh, talk about the top 10 and where Penn State actually finished in the latest rankings for the 2022 season, and then just the college football playoff in general. We will finish up with that as Georgia mauled, demolished, destroyed the Horn Frogs of TCU, who did not look all that competitive. But linebacker Curtis Jacobs is coming back. This was good news. I've been talking about it on this show for a week now. Uh, Adisa Isaac and Curtis Jacobs had to be the two players that Penn State had to get back. And both of them, not, not one or the other, both of them are back. Uh, and that is extremely good news for a defensive system and has finally settled in for Penn State with Manny Diaz in year two. You're getting two veterans back. You're getting two quality guys. Like, yeah, there's, you know, you, you have those locker room leaders and everything, and, the, and those guys go a long way, but they do it both on the field and off the field. And, and that's why Adisa Isaac and Curtis Jacobs were so important uh, to get back in the fold for the 2023 season. So this was the final player that Penn State needed, in my opinion, uh, to truly contend, uh, I know that people are going to say, well, they still need to get somebody in the transfer portal, and uh, that's fine. But as far as difference makers go, Penn State's not going to find a, a superstar in the transfer portal. They're going to find some plug-and-play guys that can contribute but won't be game changers, difference makers. Uh, that's what Curtis Jacobs is. That is what Adisa Isaac was showing the progress, progress towards getting back. Uh, so now they are in the conversation for the Big Ten title. They're in the conversation for the college football playoff. Uh, they got Adisa, and now they have Curtis Jacobs. So why is Curtis Jacobs so important, and why did I want him back more than Adisa Isaac? Um, if I had to pick between the two, I wanted them both. But if I had to say one or the other, I, I'd go with Curtis Jacobs. I think that the uh, linebacker room without Curtis Jacobs would have uh, that would have been a significant loss. I, I feel like Adisa Isaac, uh, you have denied Dennis Sutton up and coming. Zariah Fisher actually recovered from his injury pretty well, and he's back. I mean, Vanover showed some signs. I know that Penn State's looking in the transfer portal for defensive line depth, but that's particularly at defensive tackle. But I, I think denied Dennis Sutton could have taken that step in year number two, especially since he, he wasn't an early enrollee. Uh, so now he has that full off season to, to get acclimated and not that he wasn't already, but still you have that time to truly prepare and, and get the official workout plan and be around your teammates for a full off season. That's just the benefit of enrolling early. And, and I don't, I don't scold anyone for not making that decision. That's besides the point. I, I feel I, I felt pretty comfortable with the defensive line room at, at linebacker. 
because you're losing Jair Brown, because you're losing, and that's in the secondary, but Jair Brown actually led the team in tackles, because you're losing Jonathan Sutherland, because there were some question marks about Tyler Elsden and was he going to make a move? Was he going to switch? Uh, now Curtis Jacobs really solidifies that position. You are now returning all three starters and your four top contributors at linebacker from a year ago, Abdul Carter over at the weak side linebacker spot. Uh, and then you have Kobe King in the middle. And then now you have Curtis Jacobs, who is at the strong side linebacker spot where he played in 2021 because you had Ellis Brooks in the fold and you had Brandon Smith. So now Curtis Jacobs is back with more experience, that versatility that is desperately needed for this Penn State linebacker group because he can truly play anywhere. Mike, Sam, Will, it doesn't matter. He started at the Will and then moved over to the Sam because they said, we got to make room, some room for Abdul Carter. So that's what Curtis Jacobs provides. If I don't even want to speak it into an existence, but if any linebacker is temporarily unavailable at any point in time, Curtis Jacobs can slide into whatever role he is best suited for in that given time. So that versatility goes a long way, but you have all three starters back. They're capable, they're athletic. And that is very important, Manny Diaz's defense, to have a good group of linebackers because he likes to attack, he likes to blitz. And, and that is what Curtis Jacobs, he's just the all-around linebacker. He truly is. In run defense, he knows how to fill the gap. In pass coverage, he can stick with tight ends. He's fast enough to go with speedy slot receivers. He, he can hold his own in pass coverage and then as a blitzer. You know this, he was the fourth leader. He was the fourth on the team in sacks uh, this past season, and he was third on the team in tackles. So he's kind of your do-it-all. There were games where, think of the whiteout game when he had 14 tackles against Minnesota. There's everything is great about him coming back. Um, and like I said, it just kind of is an all-around boost to the defense. You have this young group of linebackers coming in. You have Tony Rojas. You have Tamir Robinson. Those guys are, are going to need to look to a leader, and that's what Curtis Jacobs is going to be uh, with, with all the, the young and upcoming linebackers around. Abdul Carter's in year two. Kobe King is in his second year of starting, being and partially a full-time starter. He split reps with Tyler Elsden. Curtis Jacobs is the man in the room. And this this couldn't have been a better setup for Penn State and the defense. So uh, and something I talked about in yesterday's episode, and if you haven't watched it already, go check it out. We talk a little bit more about Devin Carter coming in from NC State in the transfer portal and how he could be a beneficial target for Drew Aller. Uh, but it, included in that. In the era of NIL and the transfer portal, and you still have the allure of the NFL draft. Don't get me wrong. This is what a lot of like 99% of college football players dream of going to the NFL. They're not satisfied with just the collegiate ranks. It feels like James Franklin at this point in time has this program built stronger than ever. Yeah, 2016 and 2017 were probably his best seasons uh, by far. But now, in with all of the outside contributing factors to pull a program apart, it feels like James Franklin has it, again, a concrete foundation here. You, you sure, some guys have transferred. They're in the portal, but not key contributors. All the key guys that Penn State needed back have stuck around. They've stayed. The entire coaching staff is still together. Like 
everyone wants to be in Happy Valley right now to play for James Franklin and this Penn State team. It was easier back then. It was much easier. Every coach will tell you that because you didn't have to re-recruit your own players. You didn't have to sell your program against someone selling someone dollar signs. That's what you're up against these days. And the fact that Penn State is doing it the ethical way and is doing it on merit and being in the classroom and production on the football field. And yes, you can make money on the side, but it's not about, hey, let's let's see if we can cut somebody a $10 million check like it is down at Miami of Florida. Like I am extremely impressed with the way that James Franklin, Pat Kraft, and, and just Penn State football in general have handled all the changes to college football because it is truly the wild, wild west. There is no regulation. You can do just about whatever you want at this point in time. I mean, think about it. In the NFL, you sign contracts and have to be committed to a team for a certain amount of time. You you can just go and play wherever you want. And I'm not saying that college football needs contracts and, and that there should be penal penalties for uh, wanting to go to another school to benefit your career. We've seen the transfer portal work out for the better, but there are some bad to it. And with all of that being said, with all of the outside factors, it feels like James Franklin has Penn State as close to a national title contention as he did back in 2017. And that really is saying something, given with what none of this existed in 2017. Now it does. And James Franklin and Penn State have built quite the foundation here for this football program. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. When we return, let's step aside for a moment, and I'm going to share my top 10, my early top 10. I know everyone wants to know what I think about the college football rankings. And then we'll get into the final spot where Penn State finished in this past season's uh, end-of-the-year poll. And then to wrap up the show, college football championship. It wasn't that exciting, but uh, what does it mean? Should we get rid of the college football playoff expansion? Uh, is it even necessary? We're going to discuss that all coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, and that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked on Nittany Lines. My early top 10 for 2023. I know everyone's excited. Uh, and we'll get into everything here where the other experts have Penn State ranked and, and where they should be. But this is my top 10, and I, I will explain in just a moment. Georgia, Michigan, Penn State. I mean, if I'm going to have them in college football playoff contention, they got to be in the college football playoff. They're number three. LSU, Florida State, USC, Washington, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. That is my top 10. So if I'm going to keep saying Penn State's a national title contender and a college football playoff contender, 
they're definitely in my top four to start the season. Now for next season, Penn State, when you look at the experts who have released these rankings, uh, Penn State is as high as number four. They're as low as number seven, pretty on, on average. And by this is by reputable outlets. Uh, let's take Sports Illustrated, for example. Pat Ford uh, actually has them at number four. He has Georgia, Michigan, LSU. That's pretty good. Penn State slides in at number four. Brett McMurphy of Action Network really respect his work, uh, ranks them at number seven. Uh, and, you know, then it's kind of who who are the teams that are around these spots? I mean, Georgia's pretty typically uh, number one, for example. Alabama's at the top. Uh, Brett McMurphy has them at number two. So this is no surprise that Georgia and Alabama are going to be pretty consistently in the college football playoff rankings for next season early on. Michigan and Ohio State are those two other teams. They beat Penn State. This is no surprise. But then this is where it gets a little tricky. Florida State and LSU, this is based strictly on speculation. Florida State's done well in the transfer portal. LSU is returning 10 starters from this past season. And then other teams around the top 10, TCU. They played in the national championship. Go figure. USC, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Washington. That's pretty much who's consistently in or around the top 10. Now, why do I have my top 10? Uh, the way I do. Well, for starters, Georgia's coming off of the national title game. And if you watch the game, if you listen to the commentary, who were some of the guys making big plays? Returning players. Okay. So yeah, they're going to lose Stetson Bennett, but they're getting guys like Brock Bowers back. Uh, there were true freshmen defensively that were making a lot of plays in this game. And this wasn't in garbage time. This was in the middle when it was still in the thick of it uh, before it really got out of him. Uh, Michigan is kind of, this is subjective here. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, which I hope he does, I hope he pursues his dreams and goes back to the NFL. Please leave Michigan and the Big Ten behind. Uh, if he does accept the job with the Broncos or the Colts, this uh, changes my ranking entirely because if he does this before the transfer portal closes, then Michigan's going to have some issues. Let's just say that. Um, but in this case, uh, Blake Corum's coming back. J.J. McCarthy's coming back. Uh, they've done well in the transfer portal. Uh, and Jim Harbaugh, when it boils down to it, is just a really damn good football coach. Penn State at number three. If you've watched this show, if you've seen some of the other episodes, you know why I like them uh, at this spot. LSU, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of they have 10 returning starters. And I hate Brian Kelly. I hate him. But he is, like Jim Harbaugh, a damn good football coach. So he just understands the game and knows how to get the best out of his guys. That, that's really why I have LSU at number four. Uh, Florida State, I think Mike Norvell's doing a good job. They return their quarterback. They, they boosted through the transfer portal. So uh, they're in that spot. USC, you get the Heisman Trophy winner back. You have Caleb Williams. Uh, you got some receiving targets for him. You're building up the defense again. That was the biggest problem for USC. Not scoring, but stopping the opponents from scoring. And I think that's going to be the emphasis in the off season. I, I actually really like Washington. I do. I, I'm rooting for them as a, as a sneaky team, like a TCU to kind of get into the college football playoff. Michael Penix, a former Indiana quarterback, and he did not get in on the two point conversion besides the point, but Kalen Tabor is one uh, really just a different kind of mind when it comes to, college football and, and offensively just watching them run the offense the way they did texas had no answer for them in that bowl game uh so i, I like my chances with washington with everything that they're returning ohio state uh, at eight 
and uh, the, or Alabama at eight and then Ohio State at nine. This is where uh, why I have them lower uh, has a lot to do with the fact of they are getting some unproven starters in there. And you could argue the same thing for Penn State, but Penn State made a concerted effort to get Drew Aller in. Um, that wasn't the case for, let's take Ohio State, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. What do we know about them? What do we know about them? That's an open quarterback competition. Alabama, kind of the same thing as Ty Simpson ready to take over. We don't know. I, I will trust that the rosters will be talented enough, but those guys really need to prove it to me. Uh, you know, watching the Penn State Nittany Lions a lot, we know what Drew Allard can do. Uh, and Clemson, Clemson for me at number 10, there's a lot of people that have them uh, lower, but I actually like Clemson here returning a lot of starters. You get Cade Klubnick as your starter. Uh, and DJ Uyunglele is out. He's gone. That was the thing that held this team back. I think they even could have been better if they just said, you know what, Club Nick, go ahead, go play. Um, so I have Clemson at number 10 when people, it seems like the experts consistently have them, and I call them the experts. So the media uh, have them consistently 15th or 16th. Uh, so that that's really it when it comes to all the other competition there. And, and it's going to, the, the way the schedule breaks for Penn state, like they really have a nice setup in 2023 to make some noise and contend for the college football playoff. Now let's look in the rear view mirror. This isn't as exciting because everything's finished and Penn state won the Rose bowl. They beat Utah convincingly. And it seems like the consensus is, is that Penn state was the seventh best team in the country. And let's just pause for a second here. Right. This was a team that most people had written off, you know, a rebuilding year. Let try to get Drew Aller in there as fast as possible. Sean Clifford doesn't have it. This team's uh, a little bit above average, right? Uh, eight, seven and five is a possibility. Eight and four is the best case scenario. They finished 10 and two. Their only losses were to Michigan and Ohio State. They won every single other game outside of maybe Purdue convincingly. They... They were a good football team. This was in an expanded playoff this year. They would have made some noise. It's appropriate to put them at number seven because when I, when I do my rankings, it's okay. Who would beat who? And Georgia would not be, it would not be beaten by anybody. We know that that that's after the, you know, that's, that's set in stone. That's the case. Uh, TCU was number two. This is the consensus, right? Uh, Georgia, TCU, Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama, Tennessee, I, I don't think Penn State can beat any of those uh, six teams. Uh, if you play them a hundred times, yeah, sure, Penn State will win. You know s uh, some of those games, but I, that's why I, I really wish they played t Tennessee in the Orange Bowl because everybody says, "Oh, that's the ultimate test, right?" The SEC, if you stick Penn State, if you stick, and, th and this isn't just strictly for Penn State, but a lot of people do bring that up is how would Penn State do? How would Ohio State, Michigan, how would TCU do in the SEC? That's the conversation. And all the experts say every single time, well, they'd go four and four, or they'd go five and three. So I, I think this is the case for any top-tier team that's not in the SEC. Uh, and, and Tennessee, if they had played that game and they had won, may, maybe shut those doubters up, right? Uh, even without Hendon Hooker in that game, Ten Tennessee was a good measure 
for Penn State. They haven't been to the Orange Bowl in forever, uh, as awesome as the Rose Bowl is, and I'm so glad they got to do that. Um, maybe there's another avenue where they can eventually play a good Tennessee team uh, in the Orange Bowl, and that would be in the college football playoff and an expansion when it comes to 2024. So eventually, uh, Penn State's going to get matched up with some better SEC competitions, not Auburn. Uh, down the road, and it's going to be in a playoff type of setting. So Penn State fans should feel good finishing seventh when the expectations were for Penn State to finish outside of the top 25 and, and play another one of those mid-tier bowls like the pinstripe or something like that, and they shattered every single expectation thrown at them for this season. It is locked on Nittany Lions, and we'll kind of deviate away from Penn State in the final segment and just talk now as how it affects Penn State but the college football playoff expansion, should it even happen, right? Georgia just kind of proved everyone that, no, it should just be the top four teams because then you're going to have some of these uh, unqualified teams sneaking in and then get, getting blown out on national television. Let's discuss that all next. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. The college football championship. Georgia 65, TCU 7. Uh, it was embarrassing. It was difficult to watch. And I'm honestly not surprised that it happened this way for a variety of reasons. It's not that TCU was a bad football team. But there's a lot of contributing factors here because these are college kids. Uh, and Georgia is a, a dynasty type of program. Um, they are very talented. But in, in TCU's case, why, why did they lose this game so badly to Georgia, because I think if you play this game nine more times, uh, TC, TCU does win a couple of them, not all of them, but a couple. But TCU Super Bowl was last week. It, it was against Michigan because the conversation was they didn't belong in the college football playoff in general. And TCU heard that. They understood that. They used that as motivation. And they just wanted to prove they belonged. And they did that. They beat Michigan. They proved that they were a top four team. But here's the counter to that. They showed everything they had because you had to. If you were TCU and you had to, you weren't thinking about the week ahead. And, and, and these college football teams don't say, okay, we're going to use half our game plan. But you're also going to throw the kitchen sink when you're kind of up against the wall like TCU was. Nobody was really taking them seriously in, in terms of the public. Uh, the, the fan bases all thought that it should have been Alabama. It should have been somebody else in TCU's that TCU used that as motivation. And at the same time, they had to put the best possible game plan together. So why is that important? Because all of their best stuff was on tape for a, a very talented Georgia team. Georgia, I, I think this year's Georgia team would be last year's Georgia team. They they are just that good. They're in the conversation of the 2019 LSU team. I think the 2019 LSU team is probably one of the best in history besides the point. But now a Kirby Smart and this coaching staff that are all of the best, they are the standard when it comes to college football right now. And that was on tape. They saw that. They exploited the seams. That was – a. TCU had no answer for covering wide receivers right up the field in the seams. And Georgia exploited it all night long. Um, there's also, I, I think, a factor of complacency. There's a weight lifted off your shoulders when it's like, ah, oh, finally, you know, now we're in the conversation. We're here. We made it. I, I don't think 
it didn't become so much about winning a national title, but as more of a fact of subconsciously that they proved that they belonged. And TCU did that. So uh, part of it also has to do with the fact that they weren't used to the spotlight. George has been in the national title conversation for a long time, uh, at least over the past five years. They, they've won national titles. They've been there. So they know what it's like, and they know how to get players ready because the coaching staff has been there. Players change, but the coaching staff has stayed mostly intact, and they know how to get the next group of guys ready to go. TCU is not that. They're, they're not used to that, and, and I hope they are. I hope they're around, and I hope they're just not some one-hit wonder and, and that they will be a contender for years to come. Uh, but TCU was what it was this season. They were a well-coached team. I respect Son- Sonny Dykes a lot, but they had some luck. You know, uh, A last-second field goal against Baylor, uh, a lot of the close games that they had uh, coming from behind and beating Oklahoma State. I just I just think back to some of those games that you watch, and it's like you really can't get a read. But they capitalized on it. The most important thing at the end of the day is winning games, and that's what TCU did. They won every single game that they were asked to except Kansas State and then ultimately <laughs> the national title game. But I, I think there was just a huge discrepancy in talent, and at the end of the day, all of that stuff was out there for Georgia to see TCU kind of had to guess what Georgia was going to throw at them. And that's just how talented they were because Georgia could go in so many different directions. I I felt like TCU was, uh, was a one dimensional team once you figured them out, but now everyone is using this as an argument against the college football playoff and why it shouldn't be expanded because, Oh, you're just going to have Georgia beat up on whatever team sneaks in. Uh, It's going to be a waste of time. All Tulane doesn't belong in there. If it wasn't for the college football playoff, folks, Michigan and Georgia would have played this game without any headaches beforehand. So that means TCU doesn't even get in. And we saw Michigan lose. Georgia almost lost to Ohio State, may I remind you. If Ohio State makes that field goal, we're talking about the Buckeyes and TCU in the national championship game. It was because of a missed field goal that Georgia got in. TCU beat Michigan. That's why we have the college football playoff. Let's take it to the Cotton Bowl. Tulane beat USC. That's really that all that needs to be said. Anything can happen. This is why the game is played on the field and not on paper. I'd say any given Saturday, but uh, the championships played on a Monday and, and bowl games are played all over the place and so forth. <laughs> but Think about this. Penn State was number 11 in the college football playoff rankings. They would have gone to Utah and played the Utes at their field, and they were number eight, so they would have hosted. I think Penn State wins that game. As much criticism as I, you know, just criticizing the result of the Rose Bowl because I wanted a better game, I still think Penn State beats Utah, but with both teams at full strength. So, The college football playoff is necessary. And yes, Alabama could have proved all the Vegas odds makers right by saying, oh, this is what our spread would have been. And expanded college football playoff is a good thing. And and it's funny to me because a lot of people complaining about an expanded college football playoff are the same people. They're going to have their butts right on the couch, right at the bar, watching these games and just being glued to the TV. So I, I find it interesting. Um, I, I'm excited to see 12 teams in college football make the playoff and, and one of those Cinderella teams sneak in. Why do we all love March Madness? 
I can't imagine that a bunch of us pay attention to college basketball for the majority of the season. Then when it gets to those 64 teams and everybody's cheering for a Florida Gulf coast or that magical run by a Loyola, Chicago, some sort of team that you can get behind. And that could have been a Tulane in this case, uh, that underdog story. So uh, I, I think 12 to how, how does the FCS do it? Right. How does the FCS do it? 24 teams, and they've been doing it for a long time. 20 years, folks. Why, why can't the FBS do it? Why, why was it up to the writers to vote the champion originally? And then they finally made it a two-team championship. And then it became, instead of the, the writers, the media voting for it, then it became a, a ranking system, the BCS, and then you had the college football playoffs. So we're, we're, we're adapting, we're advancing, we're, we're getting better as human beings, we're evolving uh, when it comes to college football and getting the appropriate champion crown so that they can earn it. Uh, so that that's that's what's really left to be said about it. I'm still all for the college football playoff. It should be 12 teams, and I, I think it's going to expand to eventually 16 as well. That's on the way soon. Uh, it, it's all about the money. It, it really is. That that's at the end of the day, these networks will realize how much money can be made off of these playoff games, no matter where they are. This has been another edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the brand new podcast locked on college basketball everything you need to know about college basketball plus hear from big name experts insiders coaches and players locked on college basketball available on youtube and wherever you get your podcast subscribe to locked on nittany lines on youtube follow the show wherever you get your podcast so you can see when a new episode is posted follow us on twitter at locked on nittany my personal account at zach underscore seiko and more penn state football news is going to come more players are going to uh, transfer in, hopefully not transfer out. And as that Penn State news breaks, it'll all be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.